This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is Fear the Talking Dead, number 327, recorded on Tuesday, June the 20th, 2017. So first off, Jason, I want to start by just apologizing for the one day late podcast this week. It's Tuesday, not Monday. It is Tuesday. I've uh, I've heard that, and I saw that on a calendar earlier today. You've- yeah, yesterday just kind of got, uh, it got away from me, and it got away from you. And it just, it got away from us. It, it did a little bit. I was, I had to do a, like a sort of a one day business trip and I ended up getting home way later than I expected. It was just a drive, but the drive back was absolutely bonkers and out of control. So I got home late and uh, we weren't able to get the recording done yesterday. So apologies for that. I hope no one was uh, really, really wondering what was going on, but we're here now and uh, we are happy to be online. So hopefully we can keep things going on a regular schedule. Although next week I'm traveling for work too. So we're going to have to figure something out. Yep. I'm a little, I'm it's a, all good. It's all good. My friend. It is, but I, I can, I get concerned about screwing up the schedule. You know, you want to be prompt and on time and, and stick to a plan, but my life lately has been getting in the way of that. It has not been prompt. It has not been on time and planning has been a challenge. It has, it has. So, uh, We'll do the best we can. Apologies if the schedule's a little weird, uh, well, for next week, too. Also, tomorrow's the first day of summer, so I'd just like to throw that out there what? and wish everyone a happy first day of summer. Already? I know. In fact, oh it God. might be the first day of summer already in parts of the world, seeing as it's already tomorrow somewhere. Oh, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing, just that everything's going by very, very fast. It, it's already summer? It's crazy. It's already summer. It's just, it's a, almost upon us. Just after midnight tonight, it turns summer, at least uh, in this part of the world. So nice. I'm excited about that. And I'm, I wish it would stop raining here. This would be nice too. It doesn't feel like <laughs> summer. It just rains all the yeah. time. Anyways, uh, with that stuff out of the way, we are here, of course, to talk about Fear the Walking Dead. We are going to get to the latest episode, which is Season 3, Episode 4. But first, Jason, I wanted to take a quick look back at last week on Fear and read a few emails from some listeners just about some of the stuff we talked about last time. So this first one here comes from Jerry in southern Indiana, USA. And, you know, Jerry is not the only person to bring this up. And maybe, maybe it was only a problem that I had, but, uh, you, you tell me after you hear this, the title of last week's episode, if you recall, was Teo Tawauki. <laughs> yeah. The end of the world as we know it. That's right. I didn't pick up on that. Did you? Oh yeah. Well, why didn't you, you didn't... Ex- why didn't you explain that to me last week? I didn't know. You didn't know. <laughs> How am I supposed to know? Jerry wrote, uh, from the Teo Twaki from the latest episode, if someone else hasn't already chimed in, thank you, a lot of people did, is a standard prepper slash survivalist term. It stands for the end of the world as we know it. Uh, yeah, okay. So I guess I've been, uh, you know, it's been a while since we first uh, mentioned, uh, you know, being prepared for 
uh, some kind of uh, civil unrest or zombie apocalypse or aliens invading or what have you. And uh, I guess I've, you know, I've delved into reading blogs and watching videos on some prepping stuff. So I've heard the term over the last couple of years, but I was interest, uh, introduced to prepping because of the podcast. Somebody mentioned that it's called prepping and I'm like, oh, so it's a thing. And I started looking it up. But uh, yeah, uh, sorry, I didn't know that it wasn't obvious. It just was, it's one of those things that I just, I thought it was introduced and I'm like, hey, cool. They used that term. Yeah. Well, it was, kind, it was kind of even in the episode, right? But for some reason, I just didn't clue in. I'm a moron, but I appreciate everyone who pointed that out and I probably won't forget it again. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. All right. Elizabeth in Windsor writes, I love listening to your podcast and hearing your insight, which often gives me different perspectives to consider. However, I can't help think that you sometimes go awry with your assertions, especially when emotions are involved. As a case in point, I really must object to your comparing Madison to the most heinous protagonist, that would be Negan, when she suggested that Troy needs to make her bed after he messed it up. I do not see in any way how this action was Negan-like. I thought that Madison was asserting her dominance over Troy by acting like a mother would. Troy respects his family, and she is using those feelings by acting mother-like to try to gain some control over Troy to protect her own family. Okay, fair enough. I, but the thing is here, I don't remember exactly saying that Madison is like Negan. Certainly she's hasn't really done anything quite as heinous as the kind of stuff he does by bashing people in the head with a baseball bat. But, it, but I think what we were getting at was maybe Madison is going down that road slowly and she will turn into a villain, potentially, potentially of Negan's caliber someday. No, I, I remember it coming up and I remember it was me that specifically stated that she, it was very Negan-like what she did and it wasn't, you know, bashing someone in the skull and popping out their eye, Negan, it was here, hold my bat. As a oh, yeah. uh, as a step to to uh, you know achieving dominance over somebody, so I don't necessarily think that she's as bad as Negan. I just think that uh, there are things that she's doing to uh, achieve you know if not dominance, then some kind of uh, control or uh, making him do something. Uh, whereas Negan did the same thing with uh, with Lucille here, hold my bat. Right. Just as a sign of uh, a way of achieving dominance over somebody. Just to assert. So yeah, I absolutely made that comparison. I mean, no, she's not as bad as Negan, but uh, you know, it'd be awesome if she got there. <laughs> We're hoping for it anyway. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good point. It's, um, she was just asserting power over someone, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's obviously something that Negan does. And uh, this is her way of doing it. Just saying, you got to make that bed, buddy. Yeah. Right? Exactly. The bed's not going to make itself. It rarely does. <laughs> you know, sometimes it does in my house. I just leave and come back and the bed's made. I assume the bed made itself. It must. Who else would have done it? I don't know. <laughs> it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good high-tech bed you've got there making itself. Yeah. Oh, it's a magic bed. All right. Another email here um, from Trucker Tom on the road. Tom writes... Seems to me that Jeremiah has been spending time evaluating Madison, and I get the impression that he is not a megalomaniac cult leader type, but rather honestly wants what's best for the survival of his community. 
He is old and is looking at who is around to secede him. If he's, if his sons try to take over, it will end up in chaos. One son is broken inside and a powder keg waiting to go off. The other is clearly a follower and not a leader. They will end up breaking the community apart. However, Madison, to his eyes, is showing all the traits needed in this new world to give his community a chance to survive. I think he decided to gamble and show the pantry to Madison both as a test to see what she does with the information and also to show her the extent of his commitment to preparing his people to survive long term. Right. I mean, he just met Madison, though. Do you think he's really already kind of priming her to be the next leader of this community? Oh, maybe he knows he's dying. Maybe he has like this really bad foot fungus that he knows is just going to eat him up inside and uh, he'll die within a week because, you know, foot funguses are really awful, even though he probably has, you know, a big medical uh, facility, but whatever, foot funguses, uh, maybe he just knows he's dying somehow and is looking for anybody to uh, to take over and uh, he's priming her. But even then, you know, why show, I, I, I think I still think it's a mistake to show uh, Madison the uh, the pantry. It's like, keep your cards close to your vest. Keep it under your hat. You know, tell her outright, look, I need somebody to succeed me. And my two sons are idiots and they're going to kill each other if I die. So, uh, I'm looking at you, kid. You gotta, you gotta help me out here. Maybe it just, it seems a little early in the relationship for this to be going on. He might be thinking it, but I, I agree with you. It's, it's like at this point, it's only just the early seeds of a thought, right? If. Yeah. Who knows what's what's going to happen with these new people? He already knows that Nick is a bit of a hothead and and isn't probably that on board with sticking around here. So, um, you know, he may be evaluating Madison, but I think it's probably too early to say as a potential leader of this community. Um, yeah, probably. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it could go that way, and it's a show, so they're not going to draw it out for years likely, which would, it would actually take, but well, we will see. Uh, one more here. It's a call from Dominic somewhere in Quebec. And I just cut this down a little bit, Dominic. So, you know, just for time. Um, but, uh, this is also about Madison. So I'm going to talk about Madison and her super master mindful way. She uses psychology so let's not forget she's a guidance counselor and the show actually uh, made a point to remind us of that as she, in this episode as she says I was a guidance counselor and what she does when she gets to the community uh, when she meets Jer- Jeremiah she does she's not interested about the front is putting up she wants to know who this guy really is and that's why she immediately stops the video and goes for the archive she wants to know what's behind the man and she finds his dark past, and he he sees that he catches, and she she does not confront him. She just says, "Yeah, yeah, my husband was alcoholic too, and I have a troubled kid too. He's an addict." So she immediately creates a bond with him because she says, "I understand what you've been through. I understand about your family and how it works, and I'm a little bit the same." And from and from this moment, she becomes to Jeremiah, aside from his kids the only person in this community that really knows him. And because of that, Jeremiah immediately knows, well, now I have a confidant. I have someone here who knows me and who I can be uh, myself with. And that's why he immediately trusts her and shows her uh, all the guns and all the stuff. 
So I think that's what she's doing. She's just going full on psychology, uh, counselor mode. She's gonna become the most important people in their lives. She's gonna take over the community and then she's gonna kill them all. <laughs> Have a nice day, guys. Awesome, thank you. So this is in a way the opposite of what Trucker Tom was saying, where instead of Jeremiah evaluating Madison, it's kind of Madison manipulating Jeremiah and and identifying with him and saying, yeah, I know what, you know, I know what you've gone through and I've gone through these sorts of things too. And, and now look, now we're friends and we're buddies. So I can, so you'll share with me your secret information about all the supplies you have and I can gather information and then kill everybody later on. Yep. That'd be awesome. <laughs> right. So I just think it's a really good, it's two sides to this this story that's going on here. We have two characters who both think they're they're working an angle on the other one, right? And uh, and only one of them can come out on top in the end, probably. Uh, yeah, with a bullet. Yeah, that's right. One of them will <laughs> lose the top of their head because it gets shot off. <laughs> Something along those lines. All right. So uh, thanks, everyone, who wrote in about uh, our discussion of last week's episode. Let's now get into... This week's uh, episode of Fear the Walking Dead, Season 3, Episode 4. 97, 98, 99, 100, or the Daniel Salazar episode. Thank you, Lee and St. Catharines, for that title read. In case anyone's confused, the title is 100. 100. Just, just the number, yeah, 100. Um, and uh, I guess we can we can jump right in. So this was more or less the Daniel Salazar show. This week, Jason, a bottle episode featuring Daniel, and we can be pretty firm in our discovery that he was not a hallucination or some sort of angel visiting strand last week, but he is actually alive and kicking still. Yeah, I was super way off on that. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, uh, you know, readily obvious from the get go of this episode, but uh, yeah, he's alive for some reason and uh, he's kicking around and didn't get any kind of infection. Uh, due to his uh, burns and having his clothes melted into his burns, and yeah. uh, everything's fine. Well, he's doing good. Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't seem to be doing so well in the cold open. We we started the episode, of course, with him leaving the uh, uh, the compound where the fire was and walking a fair distance, I guess, on his way. And for the first minute or two, basically, the cold open. They decide to obscure his face, and he's walking with this injured leg, so he's limping along. And I kind of felt like, are they trying to tell us that he's he's a zombie and he's shambling <laughs> along the road? Is that what they're trying to do here? Did you think well, that? They were trying to show us and made us think that it was a zombie. I don't know if they were making us think that he was a zombie, but uh, it was readily apparent to me what was going on. Yeah, I mean, a after showing him... I guess if there was some question from the episode before of whether or not he was alive or not, um, from what I hear, the uh, the previews for this episode basically gave it away. There was no question as to whether he was alive, but I didn't watch those, so I didn't know for sure. But it did feel funny to show him there and then do this, and they're just trying to play with us a little bit and say, yeah, you saw him, but maybe he wasn't really there. And now this is zombie Daniel, but why are we showing you zombie Daniel, like roam across the country for no reason? I don't know. 
Well, yeah, maybe you know, maybe they might be finally showing us a uh, a whole episode from a zombie perspective. That is something we've wondered about in the past, not for a while, but <laughs> you know, maybe they were going to go there. But of course, they did not. He was alive, and at this point, not so well, but definitely alive. And uh, and then the whole episode pretty much focused on Daniel and what he's been being up to. So before we get into some of the specifics, let's start this week, Jason, with some general impressions. What did you think of this episode number four? Overall, I thought the episode was really good. I thought there was some silly parts to it, but overall I thought it was, uh, it was a good character study, which, uh, which I liked. Okay. So you're interested in Daniel and his, his story. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was, uh, you know, I, it felt like a bottle episode. Yeah. But that's fine. We've had those before and there's nothing wrong with them. And I thought, uh, you know, Ruben Blades is a fantastic actor and I thought he pulled it off uh, in this episode. There was, you know, very, he's a complex character. We knew that from season one, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, this give us, gave us a, a study into his desires and his, uh, uh was he regressing back or was he moving forward? But he wasn't really moving forward. Anyway, it was a, it was a definite struggle for him. And I thought it was uh, an interesting, it was more of a character study than anything else. It, uh, this particular episode for me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, but I just don't think I, I enjoyed it as much, as much as you did. And again, another episode that I feel like was really, really polarizing based on some reactions to it, which we can get into a little bit, but the way I felt about, this episode is yes, Ruben Blades is a great actor. He did a great job. I'm not sure the, the I, I'm not sure the writing was quite as strong in this episode to, to sort of retell his story as I would have liked because I felt like in a way they were sort of retreading some of the same ground a little bit um, when it comes to his backstory and what he did during this civil war as a torturer. Um, because I feel like we sort of knew all that already and he struggled with it and it kind of made him went a little bit crazy last season. And then he basically went into this fire last season, came out, you know, reborn out the other side of the fire, but he's here still struggling with the same things where I thought maybe he would have sort of, the character would have pushed past all that and, and been onto something else. Well, that would have required water and not fire. (laughs) <laughs> to be uh, to be reborn in uh, you know baptismal kind of thing. That's true. Uh, that requires water, washing away all the sins, and then moving on with your life. You know, uh, being reborn in fire uh, is a phoenix kind of thing, and that just kind of goes over and over and over again, right? You explode into fire, and then you become the phoenix again, but then it all gets heated up again, and you go through that whole cycle. Whereas uh, mm. being reborn and moving on is a one-time thing. You know, your, your, your life is crap, and then all of a sudden everything's washed away and you move forward, you live happily ever after. But the phoenix is a cycle, uh, so you, a cycle thing. So you can't have your, your past sins burnt away by fire? It just doesn't work that way? Uh, I think I kind of agree with you, actually, now that you've said it. Like, you need water to wash away the sins. That's yeah. very common. Standard symbology suggests that uh, water is the way to do it and not fire. Okay, so they they didn't make a mistake here. Like, he was in a fire, he burned up, he rose from the fire like a phoenix rising, but he yeah. still carries everything with him. Yeah. All right. And he's going to have to go through that again, which <laughs> it really sucks because, you know, burns hurt. I've had second degree burns, not third degree burns like he has, but uh, 
It's not fun. No. Well, sometimes it's fun, but mostly it's not fun. I'm pretty sure it's not fun anytime. Well, I had sort of fun with it, but <laughs> I'm a different kind of person. This is when you were dressed up as Dorothy and lit on fire? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got secondary burns on my nose and my hand and stuff. And yep. Yeah. You could, the secret is to love the burns. You have to love them and treat them well and uh, give them all the attention that they need and they'll heal just fine. And or, by- for me, it, it worked. Good. That's the kind of thing that worked. No lasting effects on your face that I can see from here anyway. No, uh, no, everything was uh, no scarring, Good. which is kind of awesome. Well, anyways, despite the fact that you you can't have your sins washed or burnt away by, by fire, I do feel like the episode was covering a bit of the same ground that we, we've already seen before. And I mean, it wasn't a really bad thing, but... Um, I don't know. It didn't work for me throughout the entire episode. There were other stuff. There was other stuff in here that didn't work as well. But in terms of Daniel's story, I kind of thought, yep, we know all that. Um, he sat in the, in, um, in the house with that guy, Efren, Efrain. I'm probably pronouncing yep. it really badly. And, you know, he basically explained what happened to him in the fire. He recounted his whole story about why he came to America and brought his family there, new life to get away from what he did and sort of that sort of thing. And I guess ultimately that didn't really work because he's been forced back into this kind of environment where, you know, at the end of the episode, he's asked to torture somebody, which is what, he, what he did. And um, so just repeating all that kind of stuff for me, I thought it, you know, they were doing it so that these, these other new characters in the episode could sort of get up to speed with his story and they could create, in my opinion, they could create an emotional bond between Daniel and this guy Efren because later on he's asked to torture him. And I think we needed, they were trying to develop a bigger connection between those two to make the torture scene a little bit more powerful at the end. Yeah. The torture scene never didn't really work for me. That was the worst part of this episode for me. Interesting. Uh, I didn't mind the torture scene myself, what came after it, I thought, was was really good, basically the very end of the episode. Um, but the torture itself, you know, I didn't mind. It's it's sort of, you could sort of see it coming, right, where he befriends this one character. Turns out this guy is stealing, um, what's his name's water? Uh, is that guy's name? Uh, the guy who Hefe? controls the water. No, the other guy. Anyways, turns out he's stealing Dante's water. Dante, right. And... Inferno, Dante's Inferno, going through hell. That's what's going on here. He was going through hell. Oh, he was actually, he was going through hell. (laughs) And maybe now he's come out on the other side of it, you know, based on the way this episode ended. But, you know, you could sort of see it coming, right? He befriends these people who help him. And then it turns out he's stealing Dante's water. and, And now all of a sudden Daniel's working with Dante. So he has to torture the person he previous, that previously helped him. I mean, it's pretty basic storytelling in my opinion and i didn't i th- i just for some reason i feel like it could have been a little bit better it could have been a little bit better uh the torture scene specifically could have been a little bit better like this guy daniel salazar who's supposed to have you know been this uh person who tortured people for a living for a while and you know presumably tortured and killed a lot of people he walks into a room and and is asked to torture this guy to get information. What, is, what does he do? He hits him in the face seven times, turns around and says, he's not going to talk. Like, 
Yeah, but what the, the hell? Yeah, but the point was he didn't want to torture him, right? He didn't. He he probably had all kinds of different torture methods in his back pocket, but this is his friend. So he didn't want yeah, to torture but, him. So what are you going to do if you like, there's a hammer on the table, which he doesn't want to use to start. So he's going to punch him in the face a few times. I mean, that's going to hurt, but not do any long-term damage. Okay. So yes, I'll grant you that. The, my problem, I think specifically with it is that, uh, how come he thought that he could get away with that shit? I mean, anybody can punch somebody in the face seven times and then decide he's not going to talk. I mean, when you try and get this, you, you know, grandiose professional torturer involved and that's all he does and then he turns around and goes he's not going to talk my first thought is well obviously you're full of shit why do you like this guy right right <laughs> yeah i mean so you know there's a whole bunch of torture instruments like what what do you need it's like well what i need is some soda water and uh <laughs> you know soapy pants and a bucket of frogs and you know, <laughs> Uh, and and then you do some torturing, right? Some creative what, torturing that may not leave lasting damage. Depending on what you're going to do with those soapy pants <laughs> and the bucket of frogs, Jason, that could be some serious torture. <laughs> yeah, it all depends. But, you know, lasting damage, yes, maybe no. To the frogs, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. Or, it's psychological anyway. Or frogs. Lots of psychological damage to the frogs. <laughs> well, Let's just say. No, you're right. And, and I get it. But I just, I think... It played okay for me because he walks into this room, sees this guy who helped him before, and is like, oh, crap, what do I do? Let, like, let's say it was a stranger. Maybe he would have picked up that hammer and bashed his kneecaps right away. But he sees this guy he knows, and he's he's like, what do I do? And he can't think of anything quick enough, so he just punches him in the face a few times and and tries to play it off. Like, maybe maybe he figures Dante doesn't isn't going to know the difference. He's thinking, like, Dante's... You know, maybe he's never witnessed a torturing before. You know how you get get out of that situation when you they know you're a professional torturer? You turn to Dante and say, torturing doesn't work. Torturing doesn't get information out of people. Torturing gets the information that you want them to say, not what they don't want to say. Right. Uh, so, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Sitting somebody in a chair and trying to make them talk does not work. This is a complete waste of time. You talk them out of it. Because of yeah. your vast experience. Because you get the, you end up with the confession you want, not the confession you need. Right. Right? Sort of? <laughs> yeah. You get, yeah, the torture, the idea is to get them to say what you want them to say. Right. And that's it. No, you're right. Everything that, else is, is up in the air. That makes some time, but I'm just saying, put in that situation, like, uh, Daniel is afraid for his own life, probably, sees this guy he knows and doesn't know what to do. So this is how he reacts. But just uh, overall... Um, They've dedicated a lot of time to Daniel's story now on the show, and while Ruben Blades is great, I'm not 100% on board <laughs> just with the way they're doing it. It could go somewhere really interesting. I just, I'm not sure, you know, what they're trying to do or what they were trying to do. I think I have an idea of where this is going to go, but uh, for me, I kind of felt like, okay, this is a lot of time spent on Daniel and what he's going through. Um, and I just, I just, I couldn't help but think, well, they did this with Morgan on the main show. And for some reason that really worked very well for me, learning about Morgan's backstory and what made him tick. And they're trying to do the same thing here with Daniel. And maybe we'll look back on this episode someday and go, oh, this is fear the walking dead's clear, uh, but I'm just not quite seeing it yet. Maybe they're just building characters to make a, uh, 
you know, an ultimate evil empire based on the characters that we know. If everybody turns evil, maybe uh, Daniel Salazar will be, uh, you know, the right hand man that goes after and tortures people and be the, the, the fear of uh, the fear of the walking dead. Everybody will be afraid of him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, well, let's talk about the ending right now then, because I, I feel like that could be what, what they're doing here. I thought that after the torture scene in the last, basically the final scene of the episode where Daniel is there on the bridge or the dam, I mean, and uh, Strand is there and they're going to throw everyone off who was kind of involved in this water stealing betrayal. And um, uh, Daniel takes control, kills Dante, kills his men and basically saves everyone. I thought that was Except fantastic. Except for that one guy. The one guy? The one, Yeah, he threw one guy off the bridge already. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. They did throw one guy off. He couldn't save everybody. <laughs> well, why not? You know, why Why did he let that guy die? Well, like, I, I guess he just didn't quite have, I don't know, he didn't have the opportunity to make his move yet? Pull the gun out? He had the gun. It was in his hip. It was in a holster on his hip. It was there. He was ready to go. Everything was good. Why did he fucking throw that guy off the bridge? Well, because they needed they needed Daniel to be the next guy to go off. So they needed him to almost go off. So throw one dude off and be like, oh, that's what we're here to do. And then approach Daniel. He's about to go off, but then he saves the day. Or well, something like that. Come on. Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe it wasn't his plan all along. This is just occurring to me now that he was on board with uh, Dante and threw the guy off the... Uh, um, off the dam. And then when it came to the woman, he started having doubts and they were saying, you know, are you ready? You're going to do this. You know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And he turned to the other guy and said, take care of this. And then that, at that point, Daniel Salazar decided that, uh, he had had enough and just, uh, hatched a plan immediately to shoot three more people. That was his breaking point. I've had enough of this. Yeah. Okay. It, it could be, but ultimately he kills Dante, kills his men and, saves everyone else who's left on the dam. And um, I thought the ending felt a little abrupt after that, but also very, very interesting because what he does is he, he kneels down in front of um, the woman Lola. I think her name was hands her the gun and, and then sort of we pause for a second. And to me, it felt like Lola is deciding whether to kill Daniel or whether to accept him. And that's kind of what he's asking her to do, right? He's saying, here's a gun, and he kneels in front of her. You can either shoot me in the head or not. And instead, she offers her hand to him, right? So she's accepted him, and I don't think going to kill him. Right. Uh, which I thought was was a really great scene, but I was wondering, what does it mean now? Is Daniel the new leader of like this this dam community and the controller of the water? No, Lola is. He's the, uh, uh, he, he's going to be the right-hand man. So she's going to be in charge, but he's going to be high up on the totem pole of authority here. Well, he's going to be a consigliere. He's going to give advice. I don't think he's going to hold any actual office, but uh, he's going to be, you know, I think you should do this. I think you should do that. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. Okay. Well, the, you know, maybe you're right, but either way, the, the, the guy who was running it is gone. Um, and then I kind of... To go on from there, I started wondering, well, how does this, is this all going to connect back to what's going on at Brookjaw Ranch? 
And I was wondering, are they actually going to maintain these two separate communities for a while and and stretch out these storylines? Because I kind of had the assumption that they'd come back together relatively quickly, but it kind of doesn't feel like it anymore. Uh, I really have no idea. It could be the beginning of next next episode. It could take a whole season. Yeah, who can tell? Well, I thought freaking Daniel Salazar was a ghost. <laughs> so what the hell do you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm just sort of wondering. To me, it feels like we got Madison and her family doing everything uh, at the ranch, and now we've got Strand and Daniel at the dam, and it doesn't feel like they're coming together in any way. Now, obviously, that could change really quickly, but I'm just wondering. I'm wondering where it goes. Maybe the show is going to maintain these two different storylines for some time, which I'm okay with as long as they balance them well. Um, and then I started wondering, well, could could we end up getting a conflict between these two groups? And now we have like old friends who are against each other in a way and may not even know it at first, right? So that could be interesting too, especially if it was the damn community that shot down the helicopter. Damn community, yeah, I agree with you. I think that would be uh, that would be interesting. Actually, that's that's a really good uh, that's a really good thought that the uh, the damn community shoots down the the helicopter. I like that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's what it was. Uh, it may be a little coincidental or sort of a TV land thing where y- your old friends just happen to join this other community that now you're in conflict with. But whatever, it's it it could work, and I I think it would be interesting, but. Like the main show, I don't love it when they leave characters alone for too long. So we had a whole episode now about about the dam and Daniel, and um, I don't want them to leave what's going on at the ranch for too long. So get a little bit of both in each episode, and I'll that'll be perfect for me. Right, okay. right. Come on, people. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what we got to do. Write them a letter. I will. I will. So. Really, um, otherwise in this episode, I thought parts of it felt kind of confusing and a little bit disjointed to me. We've kind of gone over the stuff I liked at the end and the stuff sort of near the beginning or or just Daniel's story in general, but there were some things in here that I was, I found jarring and I, and I don't know why. First of all, uh, they, they kind of quickly passed some time near the beginning where Daniel first meets uh, Efren and, you know, they go from cleaning his wound cut to scavenging for clothes. So I guess he's been with them for a little while, uh, yeah, but we don't really, that was a funny scene. We don't really see that. Was, that. that was one of the, the things that uh, I thought was a little silly because uh, they were in um, a concrete basin of some kind. Yeah. Uh, scavenging for clothes, yep. and there was random portions of, portions of the concrete on fire. Yeah, there were just little fires around. I mean, I don't know what was up with that. Yeah, like why the you know concrete burns in the zombie apocalypse. Well, and who's you know, making those randomly? Who's making those fires? Yeah, I, I thought that was a little ridiculous. Like, oh, it's the apocalypse. We have to have little fires. Things have to be on fire, don't they? Like that concrete on fire over there. Pour some gasoline and let it on fire. And it was oh. it was silly. Yeah. There were little things like that in this one that I, I I didn't really like either. Concrete on fire, just sort of cutting from one scene to another sort of jarringly. And then there's, this, there's the scene where Efren falls asleep mid-sentence when he's talking in, in his place. That just yeah. felt weird, too. You've never done that? No, I do not fall asleep mid-sentence, I mean. Yeah, 
Oh, it's happened to me. My <laughs> wife does it all the time. You can be sitting there talking to someone like that, and then suddenly just roll no, down. No, not sitting there, off. but you know, dozing off, and you know. Frankly, she likes to talk, so sometimes she talks until she falls asleep. Okay, fair enough. But for to me, it felt awkward, like sitting there. I guess he was just so exhausted, he, he fell asleep. Uh, and then, okay, we have to talk about this thunderstorm scene, too. Because I don't know what the crap was going on in this thunderstorm scene. Um... It was bizarre. After after Daniel is explaining uh, or talking with um, Efren about his story, Efren falls asleep. We go, I think at this point, Daniel's out in the rain. He's back in this concrete basin thing, which looks like that thing in L.A. that you see in all the movies. And he's there. It's nighttime. It's pouring. There's thunder. There's a couple zombies around. He kills a couple. And then he gets knocked down. His weapon is broken. A zombie approaches him and in the night gets hit by lightning, which causes them both to explode backwards. And Daniel kind of ends up on the edge of the river or the little water that's flowing along there. Um, We go to commercial and when we come back, we're with two mystery dudes who are cleaning bodies out of some sort of big sewer culvert waterway thing. And I was like, what the crap is going on? <laughs> well, the uh, the lightning zombie, uh, or as I like to call him, the charged creeper. You really <laughs> haven't played a lot of Minecraft, but uh, when a creeper in Minecraft gets hit by lightning, it becomes a charged creeper and uh, is much more deadly. Okay. I thought they were, they were making a zombie boss, essentially. Uh, but no, they just killed him. But I, it was kind of weird. It was... Things inside valleys like this, whether it be concrete with like, they were right next to a bridge that was above them and there was trees around and, and such. Uh, so the f- the fact that this zombie got hit by lightning is completely out of the realm of normalcy. I thought it was a dream at first, to be honest with you. I thought like we see a guy fall asleep. We see them sort of safe in their hideout, right? And what would be the most likely thing to happen they go to sleep for the night so i thought this was a dream but then it really turns out it wasn't because what happens next um these guys i mentioned are cleaning out this this big uh drain thing and they're cleaning bodies out of it and suddenly daniel's in there so how did he get in there what was he doing hiding in there was he unconscious (sighs) I don't know. I was hoping you'd tell me. I don't understand. Here's the only thing I can think. During the rain scene, Daniel kills the first zombie before the weapon he has, whatever it was, breaks. And they show the zombie's body go into the river and wash away. And then the lightning thing happens. Daniel falls down next to the river. I think his legs are kind of in the water. So I think maybe they were trying to say that he was unconscious or, you know, injured anyways, got into the river and he washed away and ended up in this, this sewer thing. What do you, what should I call it? Sewer culvert, big uh, drainage runoff, runoff drain thing? thingy. So he ended up there amongst other bodies and debris. And these guys found him after he'd washed down the river and got stuck there. But like, that's all I can think. And like, how did he not drown? And 
was he that badly injured and did he swim part of the way? I, I don't understand it. I just don't get it at all. And maybe I'm missing something obvious. I, maybe this whole episode is not real and he's actually in some kind of hell after burning to death in that fire and that uh, things aren't just aren't based in reality. Well, this, this is not based in reality. There was no, uh, there's no context between getting, having the zombie hit by lightning and this scene. There's no, there's nothing in there. Did they cut a scene out? Like. It's kind of what it feels are like. Are they going to have to, are they going to have to go on, uh, talking dead and explain to us exactly what happened here? Cause I wouldn't put that past them. No. To do it off the show. No, I, I agree with you. I didn't watch talking dead, so I, I have no idea, but it just, it felt so disjointed and weird that I, I couldn't even sort of follow what was going on. So this whole sequence, I'm not going to say ruined the episode for me, but I just felt it was weirdly handled and didn't make much sense. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, at first I thought it was a dream sequence because it was so wacky and out there. Uh, but I do, I do not believe it was supposed to be a dream. But, I mean, just to list off the things I don't understand. I don't understand why Daniel went out in the night after... I don't understand what he was doing with that weapon. I don't don't understand what he was even doing there. I don't understand how the zombie got hit by lightning um, or then what happened to Daniel to get him into that drain. So it's there's a lot of questions there that I that I don't know. So listeners, please enlighten me. Tell me I'm stupid and I missed something important. But, you know, I just didn't get it. Yeah, me too. All right. Um, So anyways. The ultimate goal of the whole thing, though, was, I think, to get Daniel from meeting this one small group of people, which involved Efren and Lola, and then getting him involved in the other group of people, which are Dante's people at the dam. And, of course, as soon as he uh, wakes up at the or in that, or as soon as those guys find him, they decide to give him a job cleaning out the very grate where they found him. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, he meets Lola, who is there in charge of the water flow at the dam. So she's kind of a double agent. And she's uh, in charge of the water and also providing the water to these other people. Yeah, a little bit at a time. Uh, every What did you say, Thursday at 5 o'clock? I think it was Tuesdays at 5 p.m., yeah. Yeah, get a trickle of water. I mean... Come on, who's going to notice? Like they have teams of people looking out for this trickle of water that's uh, leaking out of the reservoir. Well, Come on. That's a huge freaking dam too. Like you're right. It's two minutes of, of water out of one tap. Nobody's going to notice that. Yeah. I, and how think. do you protect that whole dam? Because there's like obviously a big lake, you know, built up behind this thing. Are they, you know, do they have people all ringing the whole thing? And if that's the case... Uh, there's a river that's flowing into this thing to create this lake, uh, behind the dam. So there's a freshwater river somewhere upstream a little bit, you know, why go to the dam? Just, you know, leave this whole Dante thing behind and go up to the Creek. That's filling this damn reservoir up. Damn reservoir. Get it? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Zing. yeah, obviously there's freshwater sources around here other than this specific dam. Well, there, there must be, of course, um, I don't know. The dam is a good set piece or a good location for for uh, interesting stuff to happen or something like that. But they're treating the water. I, don't know. I guess for some reason they're treating. Like, is this a, a hydroelectric dam or is it a water treatment dam? Why is this dam here? Why are they treating the water? Well, I'm not sure, but I, the idea is Dante and his crew control the water so they can dole it out to people. They can make people 
pay for it or it's a currency. So whatever they can yeah. provide, they exchange for water. Okay. Right. But you're right. There, there must be water somewhere else. Um, but anyways, I, 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 I don't know. It's, it just, the whole thing was clunky getting Daniel from one side to the other side and then meeting up with the same person. And, oh man. And then there's a scene in a cafeteria that I wanted to mention too, because I also thought this scene was a little bit confusing or maybe confusing is not the right word, but a little bit, uh, convenient sort of. So Daniel's sitting there eating. Looks like he's eating a big plate full of spam. Uh huh. Good old spam. Good old spam. You need it in the zombie apocalypse. But then he's, he's eating and, um, he doesn't stand up when Dante comes in, which causes, uh, a confrontation with Dante's head of security who we met earlier in the episode. And what I found a little far fetched was that this is the first time Dante's meeting him and he just seems to know that Daniel has this questionable past and was involved in a, a civil war and he knows this based on i think where he was from that's it yeah yes you're from el salvador you must have been a torturer in the war weren't you like does that make any sense to you <sighs> again i feel no. like i feel like i'm just missing something obvious or maybe i don't understand the historic historical significance of that kind of thing and it would be totally normal and i'm the stupid one but i just I didn't get it. So does he check everybody for tattoos on the inside of their lower lip? But Well, I don't, I don't know why he would, but see, he checked him for that tattoo after realizing or after hearing he was from El Salvador. So right. maybe, maybe anyone from El Salvador comes in and they check for tattoo, but I don't well, know. I'm going to do that from now on. When I meet somebody, I'm going to shake their hand and I'm going to pull down their lower lip to look for a tattoo. It's just, <laughs> it's going to be my thing. All right. From now on. Well, next time I come over, you can check me if you want. No, no, you're fine. I already know you. But when I meet somebody new, uh, I'm going to check because, you know, it, it can't hurt to be sure that they don't have a tattoo inside their uh, lower lip. I suppose. That's true. You, you, just, you never know. You want to be sure. Yeah. So all I'm trying to say is that there was, even though there were some things I liked about this episode, I unfortunately think there was more that caused me some confusion and frustration watching it. Um, so, and, 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 and I'm thinking maybe these kind of things kind of colored my opinion on, on Daniel's story a little bit, because like, I want to like the character and, and I think it is an interesting character, but when you do kind of a, slightly lame episode ham-fisted a ham-fisted episode about it it's kind of making me not feel as good as i should maybe so you're talking me out of liking this episode you're making some very valid points and there's some very (laughs) ham-fisted uh uh parts of this episode that uh i I, you know as far as a character study goes i think it was nice to get to know daniel and but how they got us the story is a little bit awkward in places. Yeah, it wasn't, they didn't pull it off quite as well as they should have. And again, they didn't pull it off as well as they did with, say, Morgan, for example. I know it's different writers, different showrunners, different everything, you know, other than producers, I guess. But uh, they just, it was better with Morgan than it was done here with Daniel. So going forward, I don't think it's going to be a problem if they do maintain these two communities for a while, or they, they give us more of what's going on at this dam. I have a feeling it's going to be fine because we're, we're going to be more in the, in the present, or it's going to be about what's happening here and now. 
and that's all new to us so they can tell the story however they want to. But, uh, yeah, it just, um, I'm just not so sure, not so sure about this one, which is kind of a bummer. Um, only two other kind of notes I wanted to make on this episode. One is near the beginning where Daniel's hiding under a truck, uh, from that one, that one zombie that decided to come after him. Um, it, uh-huh. it was distracted by a barking dog, which I gained, I right. thought was just kind of goofy, a little bit convenient. Oh, no, it was fine. Dogs are like that. They bark at things that uh, don't seem right. Yeah. And then uh, at least the dog was smart enough to get the fuck out of there when the zombie was coming after it. That's so, true. Whoa, I'm not dealing with that shit and take off. So I thought that worked and made me think that uh, in the zombie apocalypse, you get a puppy and you train it to do this kind of thing, to distract a zombie. And there's no way a zombie's going to catch a dog. No. Not on on its own, right? If there's a whole bunch together, they can apparently t- take on a deer, which is even faster than a dog, and can jump over a house. <laughs> I've seen deers do it. <laughs> <laughs> a deer jumped, excuse me, a deer jumped over me, thank God. <laughs> well, better than running straight <laughs> That's another through story. you. Straight through you. No, we were driving down the road in this Nissan Micra, and this deer come out of the woods, and it was uh, heading right towards us, and uh, I was in the passenger seat, and if that deer did not have the presence of mind to jump over the car, it would have landed in my lap, probably killing me. It's not where you want a deer to be. No, but the the damn thing, just it was there, and it just jumped, and it was gone. Like, it jumped over the car and took off, so... Deer are fast, and they can jump like a son of a bitch. I mean, there are certain things you want in your lap, but a deer ain't one. Not at uh, highway speeds, that's for sure. (laughs) There's not a lot you want in your lap at highway speeds. (laughs) (laughs) No, not a lot. Maybe a marshmallow? Maybe not even that. Maybe not even that. All right. Okay. All right. So the barking dog, fair enough. It's fine. I just felt like it was like, oh, what's he going to do now? He's stuck. Oh, look, a dog saved him. So you just, you know, he was saved by uh happenstance. Uh, that's not the first time, right? So the first was the dog and then it was uh, lightning taking on the, uh, uh, the zombie that was obviously ready to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then he ended up in a storm drain alive. Uh, God knows what, two weeks later? Was it two weeks? Who knows? There's no way of knowing. <laughs> it could have been six months later. <laughs> right. Uh, and then. Uh, you know, he, he stabbed the head of security with a spork and, uh, was saved by the leader, uh, randomly pulling down his lip. And then at the end, uh, you know, after shooting a couple of people and killing that one guy, um, he, you know, basically gave the gun to, uh, to what's her name and said, uh, you know, basically kill him. And she forgave him as well. So did, uh, uh, Efrain forgave him right gave him forgiveness for whatever or the the father who did that somebody forgave him well he no he um he saw Ephraim forgive um a, a zombie did he and then he he said he said um he said can you forgive me too like he asked for forgiveness and he said no i can't do that you have to forgive yourself for what you've done right, right? That was kind of the crux of the story here, that Daniel has to work through his own demons and get past them, which he hasn't been able to do. Right. Uh, so he's in a fire. Yeah. Uh, he got saved by a dog, got saved by lightning, got saved by uh, randomly having someone check his lip, and then was saved by kindness at the end. Uh, so the only thing I can glean from that is that uh, Daniel cannot die. He is immortal. 
something will save him every single time. That's his thing, man. Rick or Carl has the hat. Rick has his gun. Morgan has his staff. And, uh, you know, on this show, characters don't really have their their thing as much as on the main show. But I guess maybe Daniel, his thing is... Day's X Machina? Yeah. Or Day's X? <laughs> That's right. His thing is Ghost in the Machine always keeps him alive. <laughs> well, it's uh, God, it's intervention, right? Uh, divine intervention. Yeah. Uh, preventing the thing that's obviously going to kill him because, you know, that's the way things work from actually going through with it. Interesting. If, even if you have to call down lightning into a valley for some reason. Yeah, for some crazy reason. Well, I don't know. Um, the, one more thing, and this episode just cemented for me even more that this show, Fear the Walking Dead, is all about family and what this zombie apocalypse does to your family. Because Daniel's whole mission, we haven't really, we haven't mentioned it at all until now, but his whole mission is to find Ophelia, his daughter, who we haven't seen yet this season, which I find kind of interesting. And we kind of, at least myself, I'm working on the assumption that she is somewhere on or near Brookjaw Ranch, since Jeremiah is the one who found her uh, just crossing the border there. Um, which kind of makes me think that these two communities are going to come together sooner rather than later if Daniel's actually looking for his daughter, or if not, and there is a big conflict between them, that's a pretty strong emotional connection there that will end that conflict pretty quickly, I would think, if it comes to yeah. that. So It could be. But the point is, he's trying to find his daughter, and... He wants to do this. He came to America for his family to provide a better life. He has lost his wife. He's now lost his daughter. And all he can do is try to get back to her. So that's just what this show is about. It's about people and their familial bonds. And I like that. I think that's great. It is good. So there you go. And, you know, Dante didn't have any familial bonds. He just had his uh, water and his, uh, uh, you know, head of security. So... He's obviously doomed. Yeah, we didn't get to know him well enough, though. Maybe he did. Maybe him and Thomas had a relationship, too. Maybe. I don't know. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, he seemed to be, he, he seemed to have some feelings for that man, whether they were professional or personal, I don't know. But anyways, that's that. So I was kind of disappointed in this episode, to be honest with you. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting back to the good stuff next week. I uh, I kind of liked it until we uh, talked about it, and now I'm also disappointed in it. Well, I'm sorry about that. See, I end up thinking about these things a lot, right? I watch it twice, and then I walk around all day Monday um, thinking about it and uh, coming up with these things. And so, I don't know. Maybe I should focus on my job instead. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that. Forget that. It's a waste of time. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to... A little bit of listener feedback about this episode. Listener feedback. So, Jason, I was looking at our Facebook page for some responses to it, and a lot of, they, they ranged, I mentioned earlier it was pretty polarizing. The responses on our page ranged from things like, I loved it, it was a fantastic episode, all the way to too many subtitles, and I turned it off, I don't like to read my TV shows. Which, you know, I don't really think is a fair critique of the episode. You may not like subtitles, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad story or whatever. Um, but I wanted to ask you if you have any thoughts on 
doing like an American TV show, doing an episode in a language that's 95% not English. I thought it was fine, but I tend to watch uh, subtitled television shows. Uh, you know, my wife's even more so. She'll uh, she'll put on uh, Netflix and watch Swedish and Norwegian and French and all these shows that have subtitles. Yeah. And subtitles are so much better than being overdubbed, which is so annoying. I won't watch something if it's overdubbed. I would rather have subtitles. Oh, me too. No me. problem every time uh, watching shows, entire series of shows with subtitles. Uh, I had no issues with that in uh, in for this episode. No, I certainly, I certainly didn't either. I didn't. I don't mind subtitles one way or another. I mean, the point though, I think that a lot of people are making here is they could have just had everyone speak English, but maybe it's not quite as authentic. Then I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, you know, Strand spoke English. Was that enough? Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, uh, that's all you need. When Strand speaks, you listen. I mean, Lost did it, right? They had uh, whole episodes that were primarily, uh, you know, Korean with subtitles. Did they? They did, yeah. yeah. They might have done one or two. That's true. Just, uh, what's your name's backstory? I bet when, you people uh, complained she... about that too, though. Yeah, probably. Not to me, though. No, I guess not. <laughs> Anyways, no, I, I didn't have a problem with the subtitles, but, uh, I mean, I guess that wasn't the only reason people didn't like it. I think there were other, other folks who just found it kind of tedious, a little bit, uh, boring. I did see one zero out of 10 rating on there. So it's, you can uh, give something a zero out of 10. That's an 11 point scale. Uh, True. I, I mean, I guess a one out of 10 would be more appropriate, but uh, zero out of 10 or zero to nine, maybe. Zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give it a, yeah. Zero out of 10 is significant. It is. That's a significant uh, score yeah. <laughs> in all the wrong way. So anyhow, um, yeah, I, people, people were all over the place on this one. Uh, a friend of the show, Adam in Texas wrote in though, and he said, so... Lightning striking a zombie. Damn it. Fear the Walking Dead. I was just getting over the idea that the writers from Z Nation had not taken over. Ugh. I mean, why not have a piece of bridge fall on the thing or someone save him last minute? But lightning? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could have been a gust of wind or a sudden flash flood. That could have worked. A flash flood would have made more sense because then uh, Daniel would have been washed down river and we would have found him later in a storm drain covered in seaweed of some kind. I, I potentially could have bought that, potentially. <laughs> more so <laughs> it than- It happened the, in Lord of the Rings, but it was a magic, uh, well, not really magic. It was elven uh, flood. Uh, elf, elves, elves aren't magic? Uh, no, they're, uh, I don't want to get into it, but no, no not really. They're, they're just- <laughs> better than everybody else <laughs> okay great <laughs> they're highly skilled they're not they're magical not, it's not even skill it's it's they're, they're more divine they were created by a uh, a god that was of a higher choir than the than the gods that created uh dwarves and men and you know golems and not golems but you know golems and individual and hobbits but, uh and hobbits, exactly. So, you know, the higher choir of uh, a god created elves, so they are of a higher being, which is why they're immortal, and the stuff that they make is just inherently better. Uh, you know, the, the little leaf thing that holds uh -huh. their cloaks together, it's not that they're magical, it's just that they're, it's just they're better because okay. they're made by elves. Fair enough. Uh, maybe Daniel's an elf. He appears to be better than the average human in some ways. Well, you know, elves can still die, and they don't have lightning protecting them. 
hmm. uh, necessarily. Uh, you know, Gandalf is a, of a higher form of being than elves, even right. He's a uh, wizard, so right? He's yeah. Well, yeah, he's a wizard, but he's more of a demigod kind of thing. Okay, all right. But well, we don't. I, I, too, it's too bad I've gotten into it already. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, just that the lightning was stupid. Flood. And, oh, yeah, and lightning, the flood. stupid, flood, better. Flood slightly better. Um, another email here. This, I, I can only credit it to anonymous. I'm afraid the person did not provide their name or location or sign the email, but I wanted to read this cause it was a bit of a funny sort of holy crap moment. Uh, anonymous writes, not sure if you guys noticed, but after Ephraim rescued Daniel and brought him to the fountain, he was filling up a big jug there was someone else walking in the background behind Daniel, but it didn't seem like there was anyone else there in the scene. And I went back and looked, and sure enough, there is a bit where he's filling the jug, and you can see legs walking around in the background of the scene, kind of out of focus. So I didn't notice it the first, well, I didn't notice it either time I watched the episode, but it's definitely there. So I'm thinking either there was probably a zombie attack or a surprise zombie, maybe in that scene that got cut out, or yeah. there was somebody else in the scene originally that maybe got cut out, or again, just kind of a screw up, which kind of applies. If if they were going to cut something out, they couldn't cut those legs out, and there they were. They could have digitally removed them, or added in a deer to hover, uh, cover them up. <laughs> just throw a, throw a deer in there. That'll <laughs> that'll fix everything. <laughs> it doesn't take long, right? I assume. I guess not. It's a copy and paste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From their dear special effect library. Yeah. Well, whatever. It's it is kind of a funny little thing that uh this person noticed and sure enough it was there. I went back to check it. So who knows? Who knows what that was all about? Um and now one more email here, and this isn't related specifically to the episode, but I thought I would address it because, you know, I think maybe more than uh, one person has this question. This comes from Giovanni on the internet. Giovanni writes, Hello, Chris and Jason. I just have one question for you. Why is it that you do not recap Fear the Walking Dead in the same manner that you recap The Walking Dead? Because I'm used to hearing you recap The Walking Dead over the years. It's really confusing when I hear you recapping Fear the Walking Dead differently. Because you just jump from subject to subject without really tying the episode together. So, fair enough. Giovanni will try to, you know, keep things a little more consistently clear from now on. But the reason we do it different, to be honest, is just to mix it up a little bit uh, and try new things with the podcast. You know, we've been doing the show for eight years now, and we've we thoroughly and detailed recap do a detailed recap of the main show every week but when fear came on i just kind of decided or we decided that we'd try it a different way rather than going scene by scene just sort of talking in more general terms and uh maybe a little bit more thematically about the episode but i don't really think that sort of has worked out that way but just to try yeah, new it's things more a, it's more of a review than a recap with the uh with the big show we do we do the recap and then talk about it whereas this one is just more of a you know, just more of a review of what we saw. Yeah, kind of just, um, you're right, just a couple of guys talking about the TV episode rather than recapping it bit by bit. Uh, there are ups and downs and advantages to both. I will fully admit that. And there are things I like about the recap better. And in a way, there are things I like about the way we do fear better as well. But um, it is what it is, I'm afraid. I, we we kind of use these podcasts during the off season from the main show 
to just try out different things. That's why sometimes I have some feedback before, like at the beginning of this podcast, like I did this week. And sometimes I have more of it at the end just to mix it up a little bit and keep Jason on his toes. I like to be on my toes. <laughs> he's on them right now. He's wearing ballet <laughs> slippers and he's right up on in first oh, position. I can't, no, that's, that's too, that's too painful, but, uh, it, I'm not going to be up on the edges of my toes, but more standing on my toes, you know, just like a normal person would do. <laughs> like, like a normal tippy toe person. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, Giovanni, I hope, uh, that answers your question. And, um, at the end of the day, hopefully, uh, you're, 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 you're still listening and you're good with it. And of course, when, you know, the main show comes back in October, we will get back into our detailed, thorough recaps. All right. Um, that's going to do it for this podcast, everybody. But I do have one more thing I want to do really quick before we end here. As everybody knows, we are podcast friends and, well, real life friends with, with the folks from the Walking Dead cast. Um, and I was listening to their show this week, and I'm going to play a clip from it uh, here just for a second. And, you know, mostly Jason to get your reaction. But the <laughs> okay. idea here is Jason on that show is talking about what they were doing during um, the break between between shows. And they covered some movies and then they had this roughly, I think, one minute conversation. We had our season seven wrap up with Chris and Jason from the Talking Dead podcast. So it's been a good off season. Always good. Yeah, that, I love that. Those guys are funny. I, I listen to every once in a while. Jason cracks me up more and more. I think he's really like finding his stride. Mm-hmm. He just says crazy, absurd things all the time. He does. <laughs> I'd like to meet him. He was at Atlanta yeah, one year. Me too. The first one? I think so, yeah. Both of them. Okay. That's the only time I've yeah. ever met him. Yeah, man. I'll tell him, because uh, I guess the running gag is that he doesn't like to leave his house, but we should tell <laughs> yeah. him we all want him to come to Atlanta this year. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Tell him we want him to come and not Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, can we, if we can only have one of you. We can we have you, Jason. We, we choose you. <laughs> no, we, I'm we sorry, just, Chris. I'm Chris just kidding. Chris is nice, but he always comes. Chris's wife can come and Jason can come. He might be listening. Hi, Chris. I know. Hi, Chris. Hi. Love you. All right. So um, that was Jason from the show, of course, and uh, not Karen because she doesn't watch Fear the Walking Dead. But that was Cindy, um, the the one voice. And I'm afraid I don't know the other person. I don't remember right now. I'm sorry about that. But Cindy is uh, um, <clears throat> one of the people who works for Walker Stalker Con. And anyways, there's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) (laughs) I leave my house. (laughs) Well, sure. Once in a while to get a coffee. Um, No, I left my house today. I had a meeting in Peterborough. I had to drive for an hour to get there and an hour to get home. So you were forced to leave your house, but that's not really what I wanted to get into. Number one, screw you guys. And maybe I won't come to any more Walker Stalker Cons. That's that's not true. I'm I'm sure I will. Uh, But number two, uh, I played this for Christina and she's like, yeah, we got to go back because that was super fun. And number three, you got to go again someday. Yeah, I do. Well, now that Jasper is a little bit older and uh, we're getting him into daycare, it'll be, uh, I don't know, different somehow. <laughs> well, better, easier to get out of town. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, um, they, you know. You're a cool dude and they like you and they want you to come. So I'm, I'm sure. publicly 
publicly, uh, I don't know, I'm not shaming you, but I'm publicly calling it out. <laughs> <laughs> when, okay, so it's in October, right? I assume Walker Stalker Kong. Yeah, right. Kong. Right Kong. Walker Stalker Kong. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's the king of Kongs. It is. Um, end of October. So it's in end of October. So, right. okay. Well, uh, oh God. Hey, I'm not saying you got to come to that one, but I'll try. We'll see. We'll see. All I'm saying is, is, uh, it's a good time. So, um, and thank you for those nice words, uh, except you, Cindy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I love coming to Walker Stalker Con and I'm going to continue to do it as much as I can. So, all right, that's going to wrap up this podcast here. If you want to get in touch with us, which uh, I love, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. And of course, you can find all of our episodes at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Um, and if you'd like to help out, a great way to do that is to visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge. All that money goes back into, you know, helping us produce the show and the hosting and the equipment and the stuff like that, that we need. I found out today that my main podcasting iMac, which I mentioned last week is probably not coming back to life. I had, I had a repair guy put a new power supply in it, and it doesn't seem to have solved the problem. So, new iMac for me! Hooray! Well, you could do the same thing that I'm uh, I'm doing with my car. Now that my car is 17 years old, uh, I'm slowly replacing all the parts individually, and eventually it'll be a brand new car. See, everybody, Jason needs a new car. I knew he needed a new computer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not going to spend our money, our podcast money on Jason's car. Oh, that'd be great. Wait, unless, you wouldn't mind. <laughs> unless he's going to drive it to Walker Stalker in Atlanta, then maybe. I absolutely would. I absolutely would. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah. I'd even get uh, uh, the Talking Dead painted on the thing and make it uh, tax write-off. Can you do that? Well, yeah, you can try. Okay. I mean, it has... It, we yeah, should put it, podcast stickers on our car, man. That's a great idea. idea. I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> All right. Look into that. <laughs> what, putting stickers? I have stickers. I have a car. I just take one of the stickers well, I, and go out and slap it on the car. I mean like a big pod, decal kind of podcast thing? decal on the side of the car. Yeah. 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 You can do that. You can absolutely do that. I'm, you know, Canada Revenue uh, may not allow that as a tax write-off because if you use it for personal use in any way, shape, or form, it's a personal vehicle. Like if you take it to drive to the store and buy a pack of smokes- uh, you can't use it as a tax write-off. What if we record in the car on the yeah, way? Then absolutely. But as long as it's only, it's strictly only for commercial use, then you can do that. I still want to put a decal on the side yeah. of the car. Just, just <laughs> as an ad, you know, putting an ad on a car because, and then it's your personal car that has an ad on it, then no, you can't use it as a tax write-off. All right. Either way, I think it's a fun idea. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll look into that. So now you might see the Jason Mobile driving around with the podcast logo on the side. <laughs> Uh, but Hey, if you want to help support that crazy cause, visit patreon.com slash the talking dead and, uh, check us out, check out what's going on over there or just use our Amazon links. Another great way. Talking slash Amazon. Um, all right, there you go. Thanks for tuning in everybody until next week and next week oh, again, I'm sorry. It might be weird because I'm going to be traveling, but we will do our best to get a show out. Uh, if it doesn't come out right away, please be patient and we will get it out there as soon as we can. Um, Does the plane have Wi-Fi? 
You could do the recording on the plane. Just ask for a private room. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure it works that way. I could do the editing on a plane, but we have to get that audio recorded before I get on the plane. So, All right. um, we will we will see. I'm actually in the air next fr- next Monday night, which is when we normally record, even though today's yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's coming up. Um, like I said, we'll do our best to get something out as promptly as possible. But until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.